read it out loud with me? You will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasure of living with you forever. Heaven is going to be wonderful. And that's part of what happens in our lives as we gather to worship and to minister to him in song is that we're getting a taste of what heaven is going to be like. That's why we don't come to church to get beat up. We come to church to get lifted up and to touch the hem of his garment today. Amen? So let me read a couple more verses to you because I want to talk to you about the unfailing love of God this morning. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 2, the Bible says, it is the good news that saves you. Now, for those of you who are wondering what that is, good news is gospel. When you read the gospel according to St. Matthew, it's the good news. It's the good news of Jesus Christ. What is the good news? John chapter 3 and verse 16, read it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Father, I'm asking you in the next few minutes, would you speak to our hearts? Lord, an encouraging word, a bold word, a strong word, O oh Lord, that will lift us up, O oh Father, and help us to understand we have been granted the joy of living with you now and one day, Lord, the pleasures of being in your kingdom forever. And I pray that when this service is over, we'll be so filled to overflowing that God, our friends that we come in contact with this week will be touched by the love of Jesus manifested in our lives. And everybody that agreed with me said, amen, amen, and amen. God bless you. You can be seated this morning. I had a really interesting conversation with a new friend this week. And that conversation was one that just, I haven't been able to get out of my mind all week. I've reflected on it. He said something to me over lunch, he said, Pastor, I want to be saved. Wow, that's like saying sick him to a bulldog when you say that to a pastor that loves Jesus. I just, Pastor, I want to be saved. And we talked about what it meant to be saved, what the Bible has to say about that. As I've resonated, prayed, and I've never, I think this is only the third time that I've done this in the 24 years, over 24 years I've been your pastor where I've actually changed the message that I was going to preach because I've always been fairly confident of what God has laid upon my heart. And each week I say, Lord, if it's, you want something else, then I'm glad to put all this back in oil and, and preach it again at a later time. But this week, that thought, I want to be saved. Of course, it took me back to John chapter 316 because if you look at that, and just let me read it to you again. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten. That's all about God. That's all about God right there. Just think about that for a moment. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten. Now, if you think about that, that teaches you a lot about who God is. And then that one word, Son, Jesus, who came into this world, so that we might be saved, so that we might know God, so that we might understand who God is and what God is like and get rid of all these religious ideas and things that people have built up about God, whether it's been a Hindu God, whether it's been a Muslim God, whether it's been a, another animistic idol, or maybe even the idols some Christians have made of God that are in their image rather than accepting the fact that we were created in the image of God 
Jesus came to show us what God was like and what God wanted to do. But the rest of that scripture is all about you and me. That whosoever believes, I'm saying whosoever, that's the King James Version, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And that critical word is son. Because like we used to draw, and we've done up here on the stage before, we put it on the screen, we built one and put it on the stage, we've taught you how to draw it. Jesus is the bridge between God and man. Jesus is the one that came down so that we could not only know what God is like, but we could know what real life is like. We can know what it means to live, be fully alive as the Bible describes it. We could understand what it means to not only be born again, our sins forgiven, our past forgiven, our, our lives changed, our desires changed, but we could understand the purpose for which God had created us for. We'd also have eternal life. And boy, when you think about eternity, it just flies right into the face of so much of the current thinking that takes place politically, sociologically, psychologically, it takes place in families, where people think about the short term rather than the long term. When I came to pastor this church in 1999, I had these last few years that I have in mind then. And I've always pastored towards that because the long term and the long game is what wins in life. We don't live for the short-term pleasures of this life. We don't live for the short-term successes of this life. We don't live for the short-term victories of this life. As a matter of fact, many of us in this room and many of you online have also discovered this, that when you live for the short-term victories, when you live for the short-term successes, you don't always win the game. It looked like the Kansas City Chiefs were going to lose last week, didn't it? If you watched the first half of that game, it was pretty miserable. As a matter of fact, I said to Becky, I think I'm going to go on and go to bed. I know, that's just how, I know how this game's going to end up. Something happened in the fourth quarter. Carl met me at the door this morning and just started talking about the fourth quarter. Your game of life has to be thought of in the long term with a long-term plan. So that brings me to a question that I'd like to ask you this morning. Are you a passionate follower of Jesus Christ? Or are you an admirer of Jesus Christ? Because I have really started to change my approach to how I talk to people. Because I meet a lot of people in churches. I meet a lot of people where I'm invited to speak at. Sometimes in conversations I'm having, they tell me how much they admire Jesus. They admire his teaching. They admire what he's done. They admire his works. They think we ought to imitate that. But to be an admirer of Jesus is different than being a passionate follower of Jesus Christ. In this chapter, John chapter 3, Nicodemus at this point of his life was an admirer of Jesus. He came to Jesus in the dark of the night. He came to Jesus because it wasn't good for his reputation. It wasn't good for his career. It wasn't good for his image in the community. So he came to Jesus in the dark of night when no one could see him and he told Jesus, now if you'll go back and read it, he told Jesus all the reasons that he admired him. But Jesus got right down to the quick of the matter and he looked at Nicodemus and he says, Nicodemus, unless you're born again, and don't, that's not a political term. I know that's been pejorative in some circles, but it's not. Jesus is saying, unless you're born again, unless you've experienced the new life, 
that I have come to bring you, you will never see the kingdom of heaven. And of course, we know the rest of the story. Nicodemus, by the end of the gospel story, when the, the disciples had fled from Jesus, Nicodemus was one of those that went to claim his body. And so I want to ask you this morning, are you an admirer? Are you passionately following Jesus Christ? Are you where Nicodemus was at the beginning of the story? Are you beginning to think about the long term? Because I want you to hear me this morning. Eternity is a long, long time. And the older I get, the closer I realize I'm getting closer to eternity. Can somebody say amen to that? I bent over this week to tie my shoe, which I have done for many, many years. And all of a sudden, when I went to stand up, things didn't work as fluidly as they used to do. You say, did it scare you? No, I just decided to amp up my stretching every day because I refused to get stiff as a board. But when I just went to stand up, I remembered my daddy doing that same thing. And he put his hand on his back, and I thought to myself, Daddy, it won't be long before I'm standing with you, and I'm standing with Gary, and I'm standing with all my brothers and sisters in eternity. I'm looking forward to that. This life may be only a day longer for me, but eternity is trillions and trillions of years. Somebody give the Lord a hand of praise this morning. Forever and ever. So how can eternal life be yours? How can eternal life be mine? Number one, according to John 3, 16, is you've got to trust the love of God for you. You have got to trust the passionate love of God for you. Look at that verse. God so loved the world. You will never understand that. I will never understand that. That would like, be like trying to put a puppy at a keyboard and say, figure out the internet. And you know he's not going to do it. There's just no way that you and I will ever comprehend how wide and how great and how deep the love of the Lord is. The Bible says this, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. Look at that again, eternal life. Then he says, this is real love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Why did God do that? Somebody asked me just recently here in the church. Matter of fact, it was one of our young people. came to me and says, Pastor, if God knew that people were going to sin, why did he create us in the first place? And I looked at this young man and I told him, I said, that is a wise question. That's a smart question. I want you to think about that a lot. But the reason God created us is because God wanted a family. I didn't have to have a wife. I didn't have to have a family. I wanted a wife. I wanted a family. I wanted a wife because I loved Becky. I wanted a family because we felt like God had given us a big enough love to share with four other children. And we wanted to be pastors because we felt like God had given us a call to pastor and to love people. God is love, and his love comes out of his holiness. Don't let the holiness of God scare you for the love of God and the power of God and the mercy of God. It flows all out of his holiness, which means that God is other than what you and I are. God is bigger. God is greater. God is larger than anything you and I can imagine. And out of that holiness comes the love of God that says, I love them so much that I will send my son to die in their place for their sins. Somebody say amen this morning. <laughs> Hallelujah. 
He wanted a family. Look at 1 John chapter 3 and verse 1. Look with wonder at the depth of the Father's marvelous love that he has lavished upon us. He has called us and made us his very own beloved children. Boy, those are powerful words. In your app, it's not in your bulletin, we just didn't have room, but in your app, you just ought to highlight that, that word, that phrase, look with wonder, marvelous love, God's lavished upon us. You see, God wants you to feel and God wants you to understand his love. This week for Valentine's, I wanted to do something different for Becky. I, um, you're gonna laugh, but I decided to cook dinner for Becky. And we set up a table in front of the fireplace and I got the roses. It was gonna be a very romantic evening. And, and one of my prayer partners prayed for me this week. He knew my plan. And this was his prayer. And I won't call his name, but this was his prayer. God, we all know pastor's not a very good cook. <laughs> so help him not to mess up this dinner tonight. <laughs> I burned the steak, I ruined everything. <laughs> and I set it down in front of Becky and I said, I am sorry, I just wanted you to know how much I love you. You know, we've got some protein bars in the cabinet if you want those. I gave it to my son later, he said, Dad, what did you do to this? You know, I, I tried, I wanted her to understand, I failed spectacularly, okay? I failed, but I tried. How many of you though, God never fails. How many of you know God always succeeds? How many of you know God always wins? And I want you to know when God touches your life, whether you can cook or not, when you accept and trust the love of God, God makes you more than a winner. He makes you more than an overcomer. But he wants you to feel his love. Look at Ephesians 3, 18 through 19 with me. May you be able to feel and understand how long, how wide, how deep, how high his love really is and to experience this love for yourselves. You say, Pastor, how long is the love of God? It's long enough to last forever. It's not like the love of people where we talk about falling in love and falling out of love. How wide is the love of God? The love of God is wide enough that it's everywhere. It's from sea to sea. It's from sunrise to sunset. It's to every man, woman, child in the world. It's to every tribe and tongue. It's why we're helping Jonathan go to Tallinn, Estonia, because we believe love of God is everywhere. You asked me this morning, how deep is the love of God? The love of God is so deep it can handle everything that comes in your life. You are not going to surprise. You are not going to shock God. You are not going to worry. God can handle whatever comes in your life. Somebody say praise the Lord this morning. I mean, God can handle it. And then you ask me, you say, well, pastor, how high is his love? It is so high that he overlooks every mistake and he washes away my sins by the blood of Jesus Christ and he washes away your sins by the blood of Jesus. It's not how good I am, it's how good God is. That's what the gospel is and that's why it's good news. Secondly, understand what God gave you. Understand what God gave you. God came himself in Christ Jesus. God came in Christ. God looked at us in our sin. He looked at us in our lostness, the way we were destroying ourselves. Appreciate that gift from God. There are times that I have received a gift, especially overseas, and then I understand what a sacrifice that gift was. I'm in Santini, Paraguay. 
I'm invited into a home. Matter of fact, I'm scheduled to be in the home, and I'm meeting with the, the pastor of the small church that we're planting in Santini, where I'm meeting there with another man that's there, and later I find out that the mother and the children did not eat so that we could eat, so that the American evangelists could eat. I will tell you, it was only then that I really appreciated what I had. I certainly didn't appreciate it. I mean, I was grateful. I was thankful to spend that time with these two wonderful men. But I didn't appreciate the sacrifice that had been given to me. And I bet there are gifts that you have received from people, whether it's been an encouraging word, whether it's been help, whether it's been financial help in school. Recently, we heard from someone that Becky and I helped while they were going through school. We didn't know this. They're today, they're very, very successful. And they said to us, as they called us and talked to us, and says, you don't know it, but the reason we were able to eat while we were going to graduate school was because of the gifts that you were sending us. And all of a sudden, it made, it wasn't much to us, but it made a world of difference to them. So, Pastor, what are you saying? Appreciate what God gave. Because what wasn't much to me to share with this wonderful young couple, what God gave was the best that heaven had. What God gave was comparable in a small way to the sacrifice that that mother and her children made so that I could eat. Friends, I think it's time that we just stop wearing little crosses. I think it's time that we stop carrying little devotional books. I think it's time that we just stop being admirers of Jesus and that we understand and appreciate fully what it meant for God to send his only begotten son to die for your sins and my sins. Jesus Christ was God himself in human form. Appreciate the gift that he gave to us. You see, Jesus was not crucified because he did anything wrong. I could be crucified for any number of reasons. You could be crucified for any number of reasons. The reason Jesus was crucified was because of blasphemy, they said. They couldn't find anything wrong with him, but he never denied being the Son of God. And because he never denied being the Son of God, my beloved brothers and sisters, they nailed him to the tree. Why? God did it for us. Look with me at this passage. It's so powerful. God did it for us out of sheer generosity. He put us in right standing with himself, a pure gift. He got us out of the mess we're in, restored us to where he always wanted us to be, and he did it by means of Jesus Christ. God sacrificed Jesus on the altar of the world to clear that world of sin. Why did Jesus have to die? Look at me. Because we've all sinned. Jesus didn't. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. And because of sin, the wages of sin is death. The Bible says that the soul that sinneth shall surely die. And heaven is for eternity and hell is for eternity. Somebody had to pay. I couldn't pay. You couldn't pay. But somebody has to pay. So God steps in, and with the blood of his son, he pays for you and I, for your sins and my sins. And it's just like on this bill that we owe, paid in full, that Christ died. Listen to me. Listen. Because if you want to be saved, you've got to understand this. You will never rejoice in the life that God has given you if you're always worrying about being good enough. 
Do I want to be more like Jesus? Yes. Will I ever be totally like Jesus? No, not until I get to heaven. But what I need to remember is how high his love is. It's high enough to overlook and cleanse every sin of mine because Jesus Christ paid for my sins in full. Romans 5, 6, Christ died for us at a time when we were helpless and sinful. 2 Corinthians 5, 21, for God took the sinless Christ and poured into him our sins, and in exchange, he poured God's goodness into us. Imagine the burden of that. I am... Um, when I was writing this week and just kind of playing around, how could I illustrate this? We had these wheelbarrows that, you know, when we would shovel out livestock stalls and shovel all the stuff that goes in there. And I thought, wow. I can remember pushing that stuff out and the smell and the stench and the flies. Getting it far away where it could be turned into compost and things of that nature. But God took upon himself, listen, not only your sins and my sins, God took all the rapes, all the genocides. God took all the racism. God took all the child molestation. You imagine anything that you want to imagine. Imagine the burden of that upon Jesus' shoulders. And he did that for you. And to live cavalierly and say, I'm an admirer of Jesus Christ. I admire his teachings. You have missed altogether what the gospel is all about. That you and I have sinned and we've fallen short of the glory of God. But God came to save us from our sins. When they drove nails into the hands of Jesus, he went straight through to the heart of God. Because when Jesus died upon that cross, he was dying for your sins and mine. Look at Ephesians 2.8. Saving is all his idea. It was God's ideal all along. He wanted a family. And it's all his work. And all we do is trust him enough to let him do it. It is God's gift from start to finish. The difference between Christianity and every other religion is this. Is that every other religion says, you got to do this, you got to do that, you got to do this. And the dear brother or the dear friend I was talking with this week who said, I want to be saved, was talking about the things he thought he needed to do. It's not what we do, it's what Christ has done for us. He took our sins upon himself and he bore them all away so that we could be free from them in the name of Jesus. That's gospel, my friends. That's good news. So here's what I'm asking you to do. Don't be an admirer of Jesus, but become a passionate follower of Christ. And to do that, you've got to trust him. You've got to believe him. You've got to accept him. Look at this phrase, whoever believes in him. Now, there's more to it than just saying, oh, I believe in Jesus. The devil believes in Jesus. But in the Bible, to believe means I follow Jesus. How many of you have been watching The Chosen? Can I, can I just see your hands? You've been watching The Chosen. It has absolutely taken the world by storm. The Atlantic just carried a major article on how, watch, it was one Sunday, it received more views than the most watched television show on the major networks. People are watching around the world. People are tuning into it. It is so different than all the movies we've seen about Jesus, which have been good. It's the first episode by episode that lets us see Jesus through the eyes of those that followed him. And so far, I haven't found a perfect follower of Jesus Christ. 
in the story. If you want to know who Dallas Jenkins is, his father was Dave Jenkins, who wrote the, uh, the stories about the rapture along with uh, uh, Tim LaHaye that was a bestseller for just so many years in the United States. And the story that I think is making it so powerful is we're seeing Jesus through the eyes of people that were forgiven, people that were saved, people that when the, once their sins were forgiven, they still slipped up and failed, but Jesus restored them. You see, to believe means I follow Jesus, and if I stumble, his love is high enough, it's wide enough, it's deep enough, it's long enough. I stumble, I get up, and God picks me up. He strengthens me and says, I forgive you, and we keep following, and we don't rehearse the past. We don't rehearse the past, but we follow Jesus. You see, the devil believes in Jesus, but he doesn't follow Jesus. The demons of hell believe in Jesus, but they don't follow Jesus. To believe in Jesus Christ biblically means I'm a passionate follower of Jesus, not a perfect follower. I'm very passionate. I was passionate about putting on a delicious dinner for my wife, and I ruined it. Horrible. It pains me to confess that to you. But it's all my prayer partner's fault because he prayed the wrong thing. <laughs> Lord, he's a good cook by faith in the name of Jesus. The fact was, my wife looked at me and she said, this is wonderful. This is so, I'm so glad we're doing this together. And I start laughing and tears in my eyes. I'm so sorry. She said, honey, this is wonderful. I have got the greatest wife in the whole wide world. I really believe that it's, she said to me, it's wonderful. There is a day with this imperfect but passionate follower of Jesus, there is a day when you as an imperfect but a passionate follower of Jesus, we're going to stand before him in heaven and we're going to hear these words, well done, thou good and faithful servant, because you didn't give up. You didn't give up. You followed Christ all the way. Titus 2.11, for the free gift of eternal salvation is now being offered to everyone. Look at uh, Colossians 3.11. In this new life, once nationality or race or education or social position is unimportant. Such things mean nothing. Whether a person has Christ is what matters, and he is equally available to all. Friends, this morning, I am just simply asking you, don't be an admirer. Be a passionate follower of Jesus. And to do that, you just begin by praying and saying, dear Jesus, thank you. Admit it. You've sinned. You've fallen short of the glory of God. So has everybody else in this room. So has everybody else in the world. Billy Graham believed, as good a man as he was, the Pope can't be saved outside of Jesus Christ. Nobody can be saved outside of Jesus. I can't be, you can't be. Jesus, but you can tell him, say, thank you for loving me so much that you came into this world to wash away my sins. And all I have to do is believe that what you did is the greatest gift in the world. I appreciate what you've done for me. And I want to become a passionate follower of Christ today. And then finally, and we're going to pray and receive our offering this morning.
I wish I had a little more time, but I'm out of time here. God gives me a fulfilled, eternal life now. Look at this passage. That whosoever believes should not perish, but have everlasting life. Because I've had to face death so many times. And this week I was praying with a man in our church who's going through a life or death crisis right now. And he really needs our prayers. And if you were part of our wonderful prayer service last night, you heard us as we prayed for him. What has become so real to me is you and I were made to last forever. I was with my sister not too long ago. After the funeral, we were trying to get a few things done when my brother-in-law had passed away. And, and there was a refrigerator that had gone bad, and so we were, I'd gone out to talk to the repairman, and he told me, he said, there was a time when refrigerators would last forever. And I said, forever? He goes, well, maybe not forever, but he says, they just lasted and lasted and lasted. We used to build refrigerators that lasted forever. He said, but now I can tell you by the make and the model how much service you're going to get out of a refrigerator. I said, really? He goes, yep. He says, all appliances are designed to fail now. You were not designed to fail. You were designed for eternal life. Do you remember that old song, Fame? I'm going to live forever. I'm telling you, the only fame we want is the fame of Jesus Christ. You are going to live forever. The Bible says, all honor to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for it is boundless mercy that has given us the privilege of being born again so now we are members of God's own family, and now we live in the hope of eternal life because Christ rose again from the dead. And God has reserved for his children the priceless gift of eternal life. It is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled beyond the reach of change and decay. And God in his mighty power will make sure that you get there safely because you are trusting him. It will be yours in the coming last day for all to see. You see, hell was not made for people. Hell was made for the devil and his angels. You were made for heaven. Don't miss it because of short-term thinking. Don't miss it because you think you've got a better idea than God. Don't miss it because you've been deceived. But understand why this verse is so important. For God so loved you and me that he gave Jesus that if we believed in him, we would not fail. We would have eternal life. Amen? Stand with me this morning and let me pray for you. Every head's bowed and every eye's closed. And I'm just going to ask you real simply just to think for just a moment, what are you going to do with this message? I don't think there's a single person here that would say, I don't like Jesus. But I think there are some that maybe if you were honest with yourself, even though you're a participating part of this church, somehow or another you've just 
kind of settled into being an admirer of Jesus. To be a follower of Jesus, to passionately follow him, it really does mean, as Carrie Underwood said, let Jesus take the wheel. Let Jesus be the manager. Let Jesus be the leader of your life. Some of you may be like my new friend this week that said to me, I want to be saved. And you just haven't known how. Maybe you thought there was a lot of things you needed to do, but the journey begins by just saying, Jesus, I trust you. It begins by appreciating how great a gift God gave you. It begins by understanding that you're going to have some wins and you're going to have some losses. But your losses don't define you. God's grace is what defines us. God's grace is what defines me. So whether you're watching online this morning, as I know many of you are, or whether you're standing here in the sanctuary right now, I want to pray for you first, and then I'm going to ask you to pray with me. Father, I thank you for every person that's watching online. I thank you for every person that's here that you chose to come and to hear this message this morning. I thank you for reminding me during that very first song of the night Lord, I trusted Jesus. Nothing outwardly changed, but everything changed inwardly, Lord. My guilt was gone. My sin was forgiven. I knew when I rose up from my knees by myself that everything had changed. And Father, I believe there are a lot of people here and a lot that will be watching online today and later in the week they know about you, they admire you, but they've never really fully committed their life to you. So I ask you to stir up the gift of faith within them. To stir up the gift of faith within them. Now while every head is bowed and every eye is closed, before I pray for you, you need to understand this. You don't have to know it all to trust Jesus. You don't have to understand it all to trust Jesus. You've signed a mortgage, you've signed for car payments, and you didn't know what the future held. You said, I do at an altar, or maybe you've asked someone to marry you. You don't know what the future holds, but by faith, you made a decision. And that's what I'm asking you to do this morning. It's by faith to make a decision to follow Jesus Christ. And all you got to do is just pray like this. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for forgiving me of my sins. I want to be a part of your wonderful family. I want to thank you for loving me. I want to thank you for coming to earth to save me. I want to thank you for defeating death. And I want to thank you that one day you're coming again. And Lord, I receive your forgiveness and I receive your eternal life. 
in the name of Jesus Christ today. And everyone said, amen. Now, while your heads are still bowed, if you prayed that with me in here this morning, would you lift up your hand and say, Pastor, I prayed with you. I'm trusting Jesus. God bless you. God bless you. And you, and you, and you, and you. Yes, hallelujah. And you, son, God bless you. And you, ma'am, God bless you. Anyone else say, Pastor, I'm trusting Jesus. Yes, I see it, buddy. Wow. Wow. If you prayed that prayer online, we're praying for you right now. I hope you'll let us know. They're gonna, you're gonna find a little more information in just a moment while we receive our offering here, but I wanna help you get started in your life with Jesus. So as soon as you're seated, I want you to fill that card out. Just let me know in the communication card you trusted Christ as your Savior. Now, I want to know one other thing. I'm your pastor, and I love you. And I guess there was at least 10 hands that just went up just now of people praying. But if you say, Pastor, I've been more of an admirer than a passionate follower of Christ. But I'm asking God to help me passionately live for him. Could I see your hand? Yes, all over the building. Good night, yes. Friends, that's the Holy Spirit speaking to us. That's why I had to change this message this week. That's God. Let's give him a hand of praise. Would you do that? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. We're gonna, I'm going to pray, and then we'll receive the offering. Just a few moments ago, they told you about the communication card. I pray that everyone will... Let us know you're here. If there's any way we can pray for you, we pray for you every day at 11 o'clock here at Woodland Church. If you turn in a prayer request, if you want to come to me personally, just fold it. Thank you so much for your faithfulness and your tithes and offerings. And as we give this morning, let's be faithful. Those of you that are still watching us online, giving is just a part of how we worship the Lord. And um, we give to missions. We feed children around. You would be surprised at what this church does in the kingdom of heaven. Let me pray for you. Now, Father, I pray that you would just open up the windows of heaven and let us see your face smiling upon us. Open our eyes to the things unseen. Let us for just a moment, O oh Lord, have a glimpse into eternity so that we leave this place, O oh Lord, with just a glimpse of heaven burning in our spirits. And bless our work as we serve you and make us prosperous and productive in all we do. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen and amen.